you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. The Around the NFL Podcast. Loves football 14% less. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I am joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I, uh, unfortunately, was unable to attend your party, Wes. My wife, for the first time in three years, decided to stay up till midnight, <laughs> and I could not abandon her in her time of uh, her hard-partying ways returning for one <laughs> evening. Was uh, it hard partying? Yeah, I mean, what? how did the night unfold? You know what? I'm, I've come all the way around on New Year's. I love New Year's. Um, my podcast buddy, Bob, and his wife and their two sons came over, and it's like a, it's more centered around the kids and the parents, you know, have some booze and drink, eat some Well, what about appetizers. your other podcast buddies? They weren't part of your evening. They weren't, but I, Mark I knew you guys were having a great time because I saw the Instagram dance party that broke out, and that looked like a lot of fun. There are more videos that will never make it to social <laughs> That's media. That's for sure. But it was, I would say your get-together <laughs> seems a tad more mature than ours. I mean, there's four children involved, so yes, I would say so. Uh, between there were, there uh, three children. and seven. I feel like there seven. were children at Wes's place. There were it, children being emotionally. made. <laughs> no, not being produced. It went on until about three in the morning, I think. Hubba hubba. Who said the old guys can't party? You know? Couple, uh, we don't couple claim dudes that. in their forties going nuts, going hard. A couple hard. of dudes in their forties. Well, there were more than that. There were women in their twenties and thirties as well. Excuse me. Yeah. It was pretty. Yeah, it was still. I would say almost everyone was still there by three in the morning. A fair, a very out. fair ratio between nice. the genders. Sounds like a fun time. I have a little FOMO. That's what the kids say still, right, Erica? Yep, they do. Erica sent me some photos on a text very late at night about her night, and it seemed like she had a nice time as well. Well, then you answered them yesterday afternoon, and I said, oh, my God. <laughs> I, forgot. I just was texting Dan photos like at 2 a.m. That's how he gets all his sources. Um, yeah, I wait until people are very, very drunk. All right. That was fun, though. But this is a new year. It's 2019. 
it's our Wednesday show. Uh, you last heard from us on Monday. Uh, it was our New Horizons Monday podcast and uh, breaking down all the hirings and firings across the NFL. Uh, we will Today's show, we will uh, get more into uh, what's going on in terms of uh, teams looking for uh, new people for their big chairs. Also, the drama in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, which is substantial around a certain star-wide receiver. Uh, we'll open up the mailbag, uh, get some questions about the playoffs, which, of course, start this weekend. Uh, it's just days away now. Very exciting. And uh, we'll close the show real quick by going through our regular season sandwich props and see how that all played out. So let us get going, starting with the news. He needs to be taught a lesson on that one. That's the same thing he did to Flacco last year. That was bull crap right there. That is not appropriate in the game. It's disrespectful to the game, disrespectful to the opponent. I'm ready to go down there and take care of them. <laughs> Bill's radio man. Um, I wish I had his name. Should have his name. Uh, but Bill's radio man, as he is known on this episode. <laughs> uh, it's always fun, though. Like, he's talking about Kiko Alonso. Mark Kelso. Mark, oh, that was Mark Kelso? Former yeah. Bill's player. Oh, so he was a player. So he could probably handle himself maybe not with Kiko Alonso who's an active player who's about 27 years old but uh I thought it was like a regular play-by-play guy like a Brad Shamgod type that would be more fun saying he was going down right. the field I mean but Kelso maybe he's got the old uh he's the old jock at heart so it makes more sense I don't but know he has like... interviews to do that's what those guys do right absolutely after the game He's calling oh, out right. Kiko Alonso for being unprofessional. Fair enough, but right. were he to break out of the booth as just a man in a suit and tie, and suddenly start physically harassing a player, also slightly unprofessional. A little bit, a little bit. So it would be a bit of a wash. All right, let's get into it. Let's start with Antonio Brown, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver. It came out in little drips and drops on Monday uh, that Brown was not necessarily out Sunday because of a knee injury. It was because he had a falling out uh, with Ben Roethlisberger, um, according to D.D. King of Wall, threw a football at him during a uh, walkthrough, during a practice, uh, has issues with the head coach, Mike Tomlin, we're hearing, Greg Rosenthal. Uh, this is what we're hearing. Uh, and the reason why he didn't play Sunday is because it was a coach's decision to sit the best wide receiver on the planet, arguably. Uh, of course, there's going to be a lot of fallout there. Mike Tomlin uh, on Wednesday held a press conference uh, where he described, well, let's listen to Mike Tomlin. This is what he had to say about Antonio Brown not playing on Sunday. Woke up Sunday morning, got a call from uh, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus. Drew expressed uh, that he was feeling better and that he would potentially be able to participate. I outlined to Drew that decisions weren't made like that, uh, but I would be interested in visiting with him in person at the stadium prior to the game, um, but playing wasn't on the menu. And, Greg, uh, there's also reports that uh, Antonio Brown has requested a trade from Pittsburgh, uh, but his cap situation makes that difficult. There's a lot of bad news around the Steelers in a season that had too much drama. Well, it seems like that's bad reporting um, by someone who gets a lot of reporting wrong. There was – like that – there seems to be pretty clear on our network that there was no formal request for a trade, that he basically was popping off – you know, if you're piecing it together, and Aditi Kinkawala, as you said, you know – 
really broke the story that he popped off and kind of yelled out loud even maybe during Wednesday's practice. Like, I want to get out of here. Th- that's not a trade request. Mark does that every week. Right. <laughs> he does it <laughs> on the air. every week. Like, that's not a trade request. Now, would he, does he, would he want to get traded? Yeah, may, maybe that would make sense for everyone. I was surprised that on our air, Ian Rappaport thought it'd be really hard to do, and it's very unlikely in situations like this. And just reading between the lines, that makes me feel like maybe the Steelers don't really want to do it because why is it hard to do? It's hard for the Steelers. They would take a, a pretty big cap hit just to get rid of him. But I think Antonio Brown would be an exceptionally attractive uh, guy to go get despite everything. Ian's reasoning was, well, this guy's a head case. He still do this money. $15 million a year with no bonus or guaranteed money to give to him is a bargain. I mean, that's less than Sandy Watkins is making. And yeah, he's a headache, but is he a bigger headache than than plenty of people that we've seen get jobs again and again and again? This is a guy's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. I just don't think the Steelers want to trade him. That's my early little take. They're just trying to, like, scare him. Ooh. Well, Give me a break. I mean, Mike Tomlin said it. This, he, he <laughs> well, felt- they, they've been trying to scare him straight for three years. Like, right. he's been a pain in their well, here's side, the other side for years. Maybe that's why they're finally hitting a tipping point. Mike Tomlin called it their darkest hour when Antonio Brown chose to essentially abandon the team. And they're coming off a deeply disappointing season. And Antonio Brown, as great as he is for what it's worth, will enter the 2019 season on the wrong side of 30. You would wonder if they would be tempted because they have this feeling they need a culture change. Je- a culture change. Jesse James, uh, their tight end, he might be out the door. Uh, but he said uh, he likened the team to the Kardashians. There's always something going on, and that was a distraction all season for the team. This this all started. Well, you can go back a couple of years, but in September, if you'll recall, Antonio Brown tweeted, "Trade me and find out." After someone said he was a product of Big Ben. <laughs> Um, and then he didn't show up for work that day either. And after that, a couple of days later, he said, obviously, I don't want to be traded. He just does these things where he, he speaks out. He goes off the handle. Two years, two Januarys ago, we were doing this where Big Ben accused him of pouting and running the wrong routes. Um, this was after all the Facebook stuff where he released the video in the locker room. There were talks about him getting traded at that time, too. And instead of trading him, they signed him, they signed him to an extension. I think Ed Bouchette from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette said it well. Brown is brilliant but unmanageable, and that's the quagmire that the Steelers are in right now. I mean, obviously, because of his talent, they're going to put up with so much more. But it's not a, it's just not a good look. And I thought it, Mike Tomlin was pretty honest on Wednesday when he talked through the process of what happened. And after all the rattling off at Big Ben and stuff, that he essentially he did have a knee issue or discomfort during the week, and he was on the injury report. But that he became sort of unfindable from Friday and Saturday into Sunday to the point where Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, is the one who called up Mike Tomlin and said, hey, Sunday morning, he's fine, he's ready to play. And Mike Tomlin said, that's not how this works. Like, you, you, we are moving on with our game plan. We're moving on with the players that are here. And, you, I mean, I can completely understand. Imagine any job you're in where someone just goes totally AWOL at the most critical time when you need them there, when you're part of your team. With the Super Bowl you know, right. still on the line. I mean, all they needed was the Browns to, to get about 15 more yards and kick a field goal, and, and they're in the playoffs with a home game here, and they barely won that game against the Bengals. Losing Antonio Brown was a huge reason. He just quit on, he quit on the team, which you would think would be kind of like the number one most unforgivable thing a player could do because as the, the reporting suggests, as late as Friday, they still thought he was going to play. 
like it, it got pretty late where they started to realize, oh, wait, he's just not going to be showing up. He's not going to be available for us. Like if the Steelers don't do anything, basically, if they don't, if, if this is just a stern warning, to me, that just says you can do whatever you want well, and I, on the I think, Steelers and get away with and it. And Jesse James is probably speaking for many, many people in that locker room who are fed up with Antonio Brown, the person. Then he puts out on Instagram, Antonio Brown, oh, I God. am divinely blessed with free will. Oh. I utilize that gift, choosing to take charge of my life, semicolon, nice use of a semicolon, to express the creativity, vitality, and wholeness that truly define me. I mean, that's this is fine. You can put all these pretty words out. It's essentially I I did not what I did. The, right. Deal with it. Right. I, I did mean, what I on. did. The, deal with it. The more telling one to me was responding to George Kittle tweeting at him, you know, sup Antonio Brown, and then you know putting the like I heart emojis above it, being like, yeah. So he's he knows what he's doing. He's just trying to stoke this storyline that hey, come come get me teams. It's a little early in the off season to really know. But you kind of figure this is going to be a story when we go to the Combine in February, a brilliant, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. A brilliant player, but I'm already exhausted by it. And like you're saying, Combine's at the end of February. This story will probably be hot from now until then and probably beyond. And I, and I, and I like that. I think let's go trade for him. This makes sense. Get rid of him, Pittsburgh. You get a first. Well, he's also breaking my number one rule. When these teams go into dirt nap territory right. – I don't need to still be hearing about you at press conferences. You're You're t- it's time to go away. This is the opposite. And, yeah, it's not even like Le'Veon Bell it happened. You know, the Le'Veon Bell's up there. I mean, this is one of the greats of all time. You're supposed to be in a box. Still playing well. You're supposed to be in an urn. <laughs> Until next September. You're not, you're I mean, not supposed little, to be haunting little whispers us. here and there, but come on. Like some uh, 1800s lady in a white flowing dress over a lake with fog. Don't need that. It's a Lifetime movie. <laughs> Everyone. Uh, there's a lot of stuff cooking. Of course, a quarter of the league is looking for a head coach right now. Uh, in the process and interviews are all over the place right now. Uh, Mark, uh, Mike McCarthy is interviewed with or has interviewed with the Jets and will interview with the Browns, I believe, tomorrow. Uh, but he will not interview with the Cardinals. So we could we could touch on we could throw out anybody could throw out uh, any uh, coaches out there that are floating around in the interview process. But I just want to uh, focus on the Cardinals, who seem to be in a difficult spot. They make the decision to go one and done with Steve Wilkes, which they felt was a move they had to make. But even despite having Josh Rosen, a top 10 pick quarterback, it doesn't seem to be a place that people want to go because Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, and Mike McCarthy have outright turned down an interview with the team. And that would make me very nervous if I was Jason Zumwalt and the rest of Cardinals Army. Huh. I think it's basically, you know, they offered Mike McCarthy full power, which would have meant bye-bye general manager Steve Keim. And then he turned that down. Mike McCarthy has options, and it's it sounds like from various reporting, and unless Mike McCarthy is totally into and wowed by a certain situation, he's not going to, you know, take something less than that. And the Cardinals, same with Eric Bieniemy, who's turning into a hot name himself. The Cardinals have one of the worst rosters in the league. They've just fired a coach after one year. So what situation? Where will you be a year from now if you're Eric Bieniemy and take the same type of right. job? It's there. Are, there are many options out there. This is the least attractive by far. But we, I think Dan made a great point. I think it was on our Twitter show about you know the hot takes that come this time of year and who looks good and who looks bad. Like maybe you know Mike McCarthy and Eric Bieniemy turning them down might help them. You know a bunch of coaches turned them down. Uh, who were fired quickly in the Bruce Arians hiring cycle, and then they got stuck with Bruce Arians. It's just so hard to know. They are going to interview Cliff Kingsbury, who is the USC offensive coordinator who just was fired by Texas Tech, uh, who also, I believe, uh, 
has another interview. Adam Gase, I think, is going to interview there. Supposedly, he was high on Josh Rosen in the draft. Dan Campbell. Dolphins were maybe going to take him. And Dan Campbell. So who who knows? It, it's just weird. It is interesting that McCarthy is kind of like the big cheese on campus. So this Choose organization is in the same place done. the Colts were in a year ago. Totally devoid of talent. Nobody wants to coach them, and now they're in the playoffs. That Maybe. Well, Josh McDaniels seemed like he wanted to coach him with Andrew. They didn't get a guy. How often do you not get a guy after the Super Bowl? Yeah. Bien-Ami, uh Eric Bien- well, because they thought they had an agreement with with uh, the number one guy in the market. Eric Bieniemy also has, like, limited time. He has so many interviews, and they're still in the playoffs. But, yeah, he's basically saying, Nick, sorry. sorry. And I have – I know – I know you, Greg. I know your football philosophies and your takes. It is very much on your radar that people like this Mike McCarthy figure so much right now. Well, I uh, like it. I kind of want him to land with the Jets as a Patriots fan. I wouldn't I, mind it, actually. Like so we're of two different minds there. I know you, you despise McCarthy as a coach. I don't despise him. I I am yet to be I'm yet to be convinced that he's a huge value add. But he, he was a good coach there for a long time. There's no doubt. I think part of what makes him um, so attractive – is the great unknown for everyone else. And McCarthy's like, well, this guy is a, like a 600 winning percentage. He has a Super Bowl, and we know he's not going to collapse once he has the responsibility. And I think that is an attractive quality to have, especially this year with eight. I think games. experience matters. Absolutely. I don't know if he's bringing you a big offensive mind or not. That's more I gotcha. the, like I think he was in 2006. I don't know if he is now. He kind of works nice. with the Jets, in my opinion. I think that would be an interesting fit. All right, Jim Bob Cooter is a man that was once seen as a gifted offensive mind. He was the offensive coordinator in Detroit, but the two sides have – it's another conscious uncoupling, we're being told, which is always interesting this time of year, Mark, when uh, we're told that the two sides agreed that one guy will no longer be getting uh, – have access to the building. Well, I, I don't I, know if I buy it, but that's how it was presented. Jim Bob Cooter out as Lions offense coordinator. I mean, it's you know, it's it's sort of a coup d'état whenever your coordinator, a new coach, comes in to keep the role. And Matthew Stafford really pushed for him uh, when Matt Patricia was hired to keep to keep Jim Bob Cooter around for obvious reasons. There was a lot of success there with the two of them working together, and it completely completely fell off the rails this year. And I don't know, these guys, he'll have he'll have another job two weeks from now. That's how this works. You don't. They're not. You're not. Pu- a, you're not pushed into another field. You don't. You don't have to come, become a math teacher. One of your friends will hire you to do something else with another team within ten days. The honeymoon process, and I don't know if maybe it was you, Greg, um, maybe connected Patricia's arrival to this. But the honeymoon ended like in a very nasty way uh, for Cooter and Stafford. Cooter was uh, uh, given, uh, you know, like lauded as this guy that helped fix Matt Stafford, and now he's unemployed. I mean, he lasted three years in that job, ultimately, and even longer with the organization. That's like, that's the over-under. Half the coaches don't even last three years in these coordinator jobs now. That means that you did a good but not great job. And it does make sense. I don't know if Patricia will bring in some Patriots lackey. Uh, Maybe their Chad O'Shea, the receivers coach, has been waiting for an opportunity a long time. I don't know. I don't know. He made it clear in the season-ending press conference, Matt Patricia did, that he wants to run the ball, that he believes you have to run the ball, and that's how their offense is going to be based. The Jaguars are also making changes uh, on their coaching staff. The team fired running backs coach Tyrone Wheatley, in addition to three other assistants on Monday. Uh, It is uh, notable, especially because it comes just one day after Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon were blasted uh, 
um, by Tom Coughlin, who runs the operation over there, for being completely disengaged and disconnected from the game on Sunday, the 23 loss to Houston. Uh, Coughlin ripped both those players as disrespectful and selfish, and I suppose um, Wes, he connected the dots uh, that Tyrone Wheatley shouldn't be there if the team is that out of sorts in the running back group. So they fired Tyrone Wheatley. They fired Nathaniel Hackett, what, a month ago, their offensive coordinator. be interesting to see what that offensive coaching staff is like and whether Fournette will be back. Marone said wow. Monday that they have a, they avoided the guarantees on his contract due to that suspension. If you remember, going back to last summer, this is why Roquan Smith held out with the Bears. It was that language about whether you can void guarantees for something like a suspension. And Fournette was terrible this year. It seems hard for me to believe they would cut ties with him, but this guy has a career yards per carry average of 3.7, and I believe he's due to make about $7 million next year. Oof. He hasn't played like a good running back yet. And if you're Dave Caldwell, the GM who's apparently unkillable in that, inside that organization, going back to 2013, your first-round picks are Luke Jokel out of the NFL, Blake Bortles out of, out of Jacksonville seemingly soon, Dante Fowler traded, Jalen Ramsey, that worked out, obviously, and Leonard Fournette. Thanks. Fournette, uh, Fournette this, this scared straight thing is straight out of the playbook of when they thought Blake Bortles wasn't taking his job too seriously, and they are like, oh, let's scare him straight for an offseason. We <laughs> wasted another three years on him. Uh, in other news, another press conference this week, uh, Dave Gettleman, the New York Giants general manager. Obviously, it's a big story around the g about what happens at the quarterback position. Eli Manning will be 38 uh, this month, I believe. And uh, Gettleman is being asked, what is the future at the p- quarterback position? This is what he had to say. We will do what is in the best interest of the New York football Giants. What we're trying to do here is build sustained success. That takes brutal honesty and some tough decisions. Wes, Gettleman said everything is on the table. I believe the Giants are 45-67 and 67 since the Super Bowl victory over the Patriots in, 2000, was that 2012? The winter of 2012. The, the, yeah, the 2011 season. Yeah. Over the last six years, Eli Manning is one of the, statistically one of the least productive quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, it strikes me that Dave that David Gettleman should keep his options open. And he said something interesting, like when you're looking for a girlfriend, he didn't say this, but that's how it came off to me. You, The worst thing you can do is fixate on wanting to have a girlfriend. You have to let it happen naturally. And he made that connection with a quarterback. The worst thing you can do is panic and say, I have to have a quarterback. Let it happen naturally, organically. I mean, it's a little bit of a change that they're vocally saying they're open to getting rid of Eli Manning. That's a change, but I guess I'll believe it when I see it. There's not a lot of options. It doesn't seem. Joe Flacco. That would be a huge upgrade over Eli. I don't know. Well, they're the team that, and I, listen. I well, get, it's Saquon more just Barkley's getting, a great I, player. I but think they, it's more they, getting rid of Eli. Like, and then just, whether it be Tyrod or. Right. Or Tannehill or. But are you making your team better? Tyrod Taylor. Have Eli than right? Tyrod no, I know. Taylor. I'm just saying, like, those are what the options are going to be. The, he doesn't want to force it. He didn't like they, – they made the choice that they didn't like Sam Darnold. I mean, that's what they said. And they loved Saquon Barkley. But they were essentially saying they didn't think Sam Darnold was was a guy or the guy. They I mean, were, how's that going to look three years from now? I get Saquon Barkley is an all-time player. Right. But so you, he doesn't want to force it, and maybe he doesn't like any of these free agents and keep the fans happy with another 5-11 and 11 season. 
finally in the news, um, before the season, I, I spoke of my ultimate dream of every team in the league going 8-8. Eight and eight. Extreme parity is, is what you would call it. Uh, and that everyone's happy then. Like, Mark, you just had a 7-8-1 season. A lot of fun. I would have been happier with 8-8, eight eight, though, to your point. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, guess what? This is the first time in the history of the NFL since it went to a 16-game schedule, uh, you know, 40-some-odd years ago, uh, that no one went 8-8-8. Eight, eight, eight. I mean, no one went 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, not that? only did you not get your wish, it's almost as if the, almost. the football gods are just sort of up there laughing at Smiting you. Smiting me. Mm. Just unnecessary football gods. They threw enough. That's it's it's sort of surprising because it was also a year where overall the league was kind of crowded in the middle. Like it was there weren't as many extreme records. There was no team above thirteen wins, which is very rare. And there was only two of those, and there were no teams below three wins, and there was only one of those. Right, the the Cardinals. So it was it was everyone was packed in the middle. I feel like everyone was very even this year. You would have expected a lot of eight and eight. I'm really disappointed. <laughs> And finally in the news. And now, another edition of Keeping Up With Boeing. Yes, the German man, tight end, Moritz Boehringer. Bouncing around the league, he's looking for a home, he's looking for a shot. Moved from wide receiver to tight end on Monday. The Cincinnati Bengals signed five players. Tight end, Moritz Boehringer. Safety, Demetrius Cox. Center, Brad Lundblade. Tight end, Andrew Vollert. Vollert, Vollert and, white, and wide receiver, Kermit Whitfield, to reserve future contracts. And that was another edition of Keeping Up With Bowen. All right, let's get to the mailbag. Uh, a lot to dig into because this is the Mark. This is the fun time of year, isn't it? I enjoy this time of year. A lot of teams have to look in the mirror and say, "We suck. We need to do some things differently. Um, we suck so much that we've fired a lot of people and need to find mm-hmm. better people to do a better job next time." Speaking of the mirror, tomorrow Thursday is our wild card preview podcast, and it's going to be real fun because not only are we going to break down. Uh, four really fun games, but we're coming down the stretch of our picks. Uh, Mark on a historic winning streak up to 11 straight, I believe. Maybe it's 10. I thought it was 11, right. but then according Either way, to the... A one-game lead on Wes, yeah. a two-game lead on myself, and Greg, who's hotter than Matt Lauer in the NBC picks back in 99... Has won, I think Matt Lauer was That's, never involved. I mean, why don't, do we need to reference Matt Lauer? Oh, now it's now you went too far. Don't insult the <laughs> sanctity of um, some of the great picks TV competitions over the years. Okay, this Matt Lauer business. Okay, sorry, I apologize. All right, so we uh, asked you, the listeners, to send in some questions. Uh, well, we were talking about Antonio Brown. If Antonio Brown were to be traded, where to? Uh, Eric Jensen asks, could the Jets pull it off? There is this wild scenario where year two of the Sam Darnold experience has an offensive-minded head coach that I could believe in, and then Le'Veon Bell in the backfield and Antonio Brown on the outside with Robbie <laughs> Anderson on the other them. side. They're getting both. And Chris wow. Herndon, a tight end, and improve a first-round pick at, at, on the offensive line, and the Jets are scoring 30 points a game. Todd Haley it, calling play. the plays. <laughs> it's in play. Hey, what, what could go wrong by repairing uh, Bell and Brown <laughs> with the Jets? Like, 
Probably There's everything. No way you could think that could go. It's wrong. funny you say that, but because you're absolutely right, it's probably a terrible idea. But I would sign off on it in a second. Sure. One of them would be nice. It is funny that the Jets are kind of the first team that everyone attaches in these situations. But I think it makes sense because of the cap space, because of the ownership, and because of kind of the desperation. Yeah. And could the Steelers do something like trade him somewhere he absolutely does not want to go? Does he have Does he have final say over such the trade? I, you could send him deep into the netherworld, a team that he just really, vanished forever. He really forever. doesn't have much say. I mean, he could make it clear and make it terrible, but he does, it's not something where he needs a new contract. So I think they could send him where they want. All right. Uh, let's throw one out Did there. Did we ever answer? That's it? What? That's the Jets? Uh, the, the, where would he go? The Browns make some sense, too, to me. Well, no team in the league has more cap space right they now than the Colts. The How about the Colts get Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell? That's not going to fit their culture. Was like keep them away from my boys. <laughs> no, I've heard Chris Ballard speak before, and I don't think there's any chance he's trading. What's your for favorite Antonio type of Brown? frog? I've heard him speak. It does too. feel like a Mike McCagnan move. <laughs> Send him to the desert, the Cardinals. Ouch. Uh, this from Russell Wilson's deep ball. Uh, what is the defining NFL game of 2018 for each of you? I'll start. Uh, Monday Night Football, Rams Chiefs. Not just because of the. Uh, outrageous nature of the game in the 54-51 final um, uh, double 50 burger and all that, but how the NFL kind of very quickly shifted almost immediately after that, suspiciously so, uh, and and swung back to defense winning games and the Baltimore Ravens rise. I just thought that was funny how it went from, well, this is the future, this is the league now, we're arena football, and then all of a sudden, like, Defense said, whoa, slow down. Running game said, hey, hey, we have a we have a voice. Ink was still drying on the 2,000 think pieces that came out after that Chiefs-Rams game. And for that right. reason. And it could flip again in game. the next two weeks. Uh, I, The word defining makes me jump off yours and have a similar answer, okay. but it's Ravens-Chiefs. Because uh, that, to me, was the game of kind of the contrast of what ended up happening in the money time of the season and was, me, to me, the most fascinating game of the year to see that that study in contrast. Lamar Jackson kind of representing this rookie quarterback class, too, who finished off so strong. And the Chiefs, I, I guess, are in both these games because, to me, they are kind of the defining team of the year. Uh, I know they didn't end up with the very best record, but they were the most compelling, and they were kind of the one representing what was going on. And But the Ravens were so fascinating that matchup of just the clash of styles and how good it was. And it might be the most memorable moment that our, that the MVP Pat Mahomes had. Mm. I think those are both excellent answers. And I agree. I would say the highest level of football was played between the saints and Rams. Mm. For me, it's funny. The saints Steelers was another one I thought about. That was such a good game. That's, that's definitely top three for me. I would go, and this is more personal, but, when Cleveland beat the Jets in week three. I'm sorry, Dan. It's nothing to do with the Jets. No, it was. That was but it was the rise of Baker Mayfield. It, it, it got rid of a lot of ghosts, and you kind of could feel the tide turning for a Browns team that had been such a laughingstock for so long. Uh, Jets-Broncos in week five. That was also a pretty big mm, yes. <laughs> A lot of people out there. Bleak for the Broncos. <laughs> uh, all right, here's another question. Uh, this is from... Leonard, Len Scholes, are the Texans with their weak offensive line a true contender? I'm going to spin off this a little bit. You guys can talk about Houston's offensive line if you wish, but is there a team in the mix that you give no chance to win the Super Bowl? No. This is one year I think all 12 have have a chance. But if you had to rank them, who would be number two? Cowboys would be 12 for me. 
Texans would be 12 for me. I, I think all the AFC would be higher up for me than, than the Eagles and the Cowboys and, and probably even the Seahawks because I think all those AFC teams have – an even better chance than than an NFC one to make it. Yeah, I think you, the Saints and Rams make the lower echelon wild card NFC teams less probable. What's you? Your, you have the Eagles ahead of the Cowboys. No, I w- those two would be kind of at at the bottom, especially because the Eagles tough draw if they had to to do it. Uh, I don't think the Bears, I guess the the Bears be are lower. not winning the Super Bowl. Sorry, I know I'm not allowed really? to say that. No, I I think I really do think this is one of those years. Any, any they're going to the they're going to drop a bomb on someone in the wild card round and then get knocked out the next week. I, and I've been saying that for two months. A team has not made it to the Super Bowl from the wild card round since the 2012 Ravens, which is wild because at that point I think one had made it every year for about five six straight years, and many of them won them. Most years for so a while. So what does it mean, Greg? I don't think it means anything, but I just think it's been too long since we've had some of these, some of these teams playing this weekend. We're due. We're overdue to have them make it. This mm. is the year to happen. Mark, why don't you throw one out there? Here's one from Trevor Crawling. He asks if more teams need to get their act together, operate as the Patriots do, and make the head coach the GM. Do we need more of that, or do we need less of that? Greg, you answer. What? Well, there's only a couple teams that do it. This. I don't even know. Is there any other team really other than is it Andy Reid sort of is like Belichick? There's Pete Carroll sort of like Belichick. No, I don't think teams more teams. Need I feel like a lot of coaches almost need less power. Yeah, very liberal with the connecting of getting your act together and installing. Right. Well, that was only my so word. Many that was Bill- actually my word. Oh, okay. Trevor Crawling did not say get their act together. I threw. That There's only so many Bill Belichick's. I mean, the Raiders are doing it. John Gruden really runs that, and I think hiring Mike Mayock was kind of a sign because Mike Mayock's not a traditional. He's not a general manager that's managing an entire huge staff. He's a personnel guy. The uh, whereas- Cardinals just offered it to Mike McCarthy. He didn't want it. Belichick's doing a little bit better than John Gruden in, in that regard. <laughs> Nathan Cherry, last question: If the Eagles were to trade Carson Wentz, what would they get in return? Multiple first-round picks. Yeah. Maybe three. And a player to be named. Darren Sproles. Bingo. These, these Eagles <laughs> fans, give me a break. They got to come down. All right, there you go. There's the mailbag. Finally, uh, let's go through our regular season sandwich props. Round it up. See how everyone did. We'll start with Chris Wessling. You ready, Wes? No, but let's do it. <laughs> Uh, Sam Darnold does not start start week one for the Jets. And um, Greg took you up on that, and Greg got a sandwich. Good job by Greg. Adrian Peterson rushes for more yards than any 33-year-old running back in history. This was a clean sweep. Three, three sandwiches. And it was a little bit devious, and I respect you for it, Wes, because John Riggins is the oldest running back to ever – uh, to, he has hold, the most yardage. Hold on. It was not devious. I said it He's, up front. He did talk about it. I said it up front. I'm trying to pay you a compliment. Not 34 or 35. I'm trying devious to pay you a compliment. compliment. <laughs> For me, it is. Oh, okay. It was a little devious in, an, in a great way uh, because it wasn't the best season ever by an old running back. Uh, that is Rigo. But Rigo did it at 34, and you said specifically 33. So in this instance, being more narrow worked. And it was very – it was very tight. I'm just looking because I'm like, didn't Gore top 1,000 at 33? And he did. Peterson got him by 17 yards. 
So it came down to those last couple runs there, Wes. Well, how well about done, that? Wes. Well That's done. A, you should well feel done. good that you took out Gore. Even if I lost this one, I'd feel fine because Peterson would have had about twelve or thirteen hundred yards if the entire <laughs> offense didn't get injured. Ouch. Before that. It's true. He had a great year. A I think really he earned nice himself a job next year, right? Someone's got to give him a good job. He'll be sitting there in late July looking for a team again. A member of the 2017 draft class will lead the league in interceptions thrown. <laughs> who was who was in the 17 class? Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. I think Darnold actually led the league with 15, which is not a lot for a lead, league leader. If you want to look at one stat that really point at, points Roethlisberger out. Roethlisberger had more, didn't he? Did he? I think, I think Darnold might have led the league. I thought I read that this week. And and, and then the total was. Yeah, Roethlisberger up. led the league. Oh, well, there you go. Never mind. But just by one more. Well, You're right. More 16. It is, it, it's funny. Like, everyone goes crazy when quarterbacks throw interceptions now. Like, oh, what a terrible play. Like, he blew it. And it's shocking how many fewer interceptions quarterbacks throw than even eight years ago. It's so much less. No hard one to, throws interceptions. Hard to intercept a, a bubble screen. Right. That's that's fair. Uh, Baker Mayfield wins Rookie of the Month more often than Sam Darnold. Darnold didn't do anything against the Patriots, which I think is going to cost me. So I think you're going to get a sandwich off me there, Wes. Sweet. So right well, now you're 5-7. and seven. There was also, because I thought Darnold's best game – that was the week he could have run one rookie of the week, and they gave it to Baker Mayfield that week as well, which was no. – I don't know how these things – Well, Darnold's definitely not getting it for December now. No. Uh, right. I don't think. Yeah, so you it get would be one. would be surprised. You're just a six and seven, Wes. It's, it's not bad. We're all around 500. All right, Mark Sessler. You have, the, of course, the iconic um, Cleveland Browns-New York Jets prediction. Do you want me to – I think we should read it. I mean, this is again? the best This is the best I will prop read it. in the history I will of read sandwich read what, what is listed okay. here on the go – GetMyLunch.org site. Week three, gangrene will hop out to at least a 10-point lead. The Thursday night football talking heads will crow over Sam Darnold while the Browns look like a sitting duck in primetime. Same old story. Dan and Mark will go silent on the podcast group text thread. Greg and Wes follow suit, knowing this game could fracture the group for a thousand generations. All is looking good for the plucky one-and-one Jets until Baker Mayfield enters the game, dealing with at least a 10-point deficit and time ticking away. Mayfield battles through some ups and downs to baffle the Jets' defense and route to a rousing comeback that serves as the opening chapter in a rivalry that sees Darnold and Baker going punch for punch in some of the biggest AFC showdowns in conference history, while the Patriots begin a 14-year streak of missing the playoffs. You probably should have just ended it a little sooner. Well, it would be dishonest. I think you guys gave me that last little part yeah, of it, just it for you, just in the spirit of it. it yes, because yeah. that, that was amazing. Which is why when you go over and over about the Philly Ordinary, you won't let that one go. <laughs> we gave you I this. saw your little tweet about the Philly Ordinary, and you know what? You're just on the wrong side hey. of history, and everyone knows it. And at this point, I just accept <laughs> the fact that you're, Man. you're so off. How many teams are running the Philly Special now? I think every team, essentially. How many teams are making helmet catches? I've never seen Actually, it. someone right. sent me like a 10-minute mashup of like 18 <laughs> helmet catches that have happened in the la- since that Super Bowl. They're like all in college football. No, they're all pro. Every single one of them are NFL helmet catches. It happens all the time. <laughs> At least one game will be relocated due to weather, natural disaster, or massive unrest. Uh, I recused myself from this, but Mark was given sandwiches there. And neither Greg, West or Dan will win the Lock It Up Challenge. Wow. Three sandwiches on the line here um, for Mark. And right now he has a lead going into the playoffs. I forgot he had sandwiches on this. Mark, you, you're almost 
you're just weeks away from your worst nightmare, a bunch of sandwiches. <laughs> I know. I might have to, right I might now, have like, to start picking the Cowboys like, in this playoff thing here. Food, like extra food. This is, this is terrible. It's like chasing a prize I absolutely do not want. So you are, you're at 7-4, and four, but it could get even better. It could be an all-time week. Uh, Greg, 6-8. and eight. Alex Smith will have a better season than Kirk Cousins. Uh, Mark and Wes took you up on that. No one had a worse season, you could say, than Alex Smith in the I entire think- league. Well, even before he got injured, this was a major L. One of I think it's one of Greg's most bizarre, like all offseason long stances that Alex Smith was going to come in. I thought like, the Redskins' offense was going to be exciting. I think I had them as a borderline playoff team. Although they they were in position, the crazy thing was they were six and three before all those injuries really hit. But Alex Smith was a big disappointment even before the injury. Jaguars won't make the playoffs. You got that right. Mark Bingo. and West took you up on mm. that one. So you got two saying We were baited there. into that. I stayed away from that uh, on the Bortles theory, and that worked out for me. Eli Manning won't be the starting quarterback for the Giants by week 17. Looked good around week eight. but It did look real good. Uh, Dan and Mark got sandwiches. West did not take Greg up on that. Bad job by me. And uh, he will probably be the quarterback week one. That's my prediction as well on the other side of the uh, calendar. But we shall see. Uh, I am seven and six. Sam Darnold doesn't start week one for the Jets. Uh, I bought into offseason fluff pieces uh, about Josh McCown. Uh, Mark got a sandwich <laughs> off me there. Kai Forbath <laughs> is on an active roster during week three. Greg, I like mine are very hyper specific to things I like and the things <laughs> I'm into. Uh, Greg got a sandwich there. Kai did end up materializing with the team, I believe, in week 16, though. Uh, three of the following will occur for the Bengals. <laughs> Andy Dalton goes under 3,800. Ding. Uh, yards. A.J. Green, under 1,100 yards receiving. Ding. John Ross, under five touchdowns. John Ross, I don't know if you looked at his stats. He had no, like he, 11 catches and seven touchdowns. Was, okay, so that was wrong. That was wrong. That was not a ding. That was a eh. <laughs> Under nine and a half wins, and they went well under that. Although they were five and two at one point. Uh, they finished, what, 6-10? and 10? Well, you were saved by injuries. Dalton probably would have been right around there, so that would have decided it for you. Yeah, it was great. But, Dalton in, but that's good. You can, betting on, on injuries it. is a nice way to go. But uh, you guys uh, you guys cost me. I got, I got sandwiches from Greg and Mark. And then finally, Patriots will not have a first round by in the playoffs. Greg and West made sandwiches off me. I'm so angry about that because it was so close. Mm. Uh, wow, I'm making a lot of sandwich bets. Jimmy Graham will Why help. Why do you have like 25 sandwich bets? As, as the season goes along, I throw different ones out and it gets added on because uh, uh, Nick Fortier does an amazing job on Go Get My Lunch. Oh, no doubt work. about that. Jimmy Graham will have less than 700 yards receiving. Bam! He finished with about 650. Greg, Mark, West all over me sandwiches. Mm-hmm. I never bought into Graham. I don't know why I took you on that because that seems like... He last year with the Seahawks because I tracked him really closely from fantasy. He just wasn't moving well, and it, it, it continued this year. And Bruce Arians will become the next Browns head coach. Uh, Greg, uh, Greg is in the driver's seat on that one because it sounds like when Bruce now has opened up the Bucks, is it also possible? It's almost like, well, the Browns don't want me. They got to schedule an interview with him to start. It's not. It's not looking good there for the really. But I'm seven and six right now. It's possible. So they haven't scheduled an interview with Arians. I, I kept thinking no. that. There's still a decent chance because he's kind of the the way to keep kitchens in place. Mm. We'll see. We shall see. It's not over yet. All right. There you go. So, yes, we'll be back on um, Thursday. Thursday uh, we'll have another show going up. Previewing Wild Card Weekend. A lot of fun um, as we head towards 
January football, the best time of year. These are the best two weeks of the year for me. I love wild card weekend. I love divisional playoff weekend. Good football. What about championship weekend? That's fun as well, and it's the stakes are obviously but not as many highest, games. But it's just there's something I'm with you. really it's, fun. It's all Saturday, Saturday all Sunday. Yeah. Right. It's just good. It's not overwhelming. Everybody else is in an urn or in a box. That's good. <laughs> That's it. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.